0: Hello and welcome to the Moving It On podcast series. My name is Julia Lawrence and I'm the host for these sessions. And this series is a co-production between Festival Bridge and Royal Opera House Bridge. And if you've listened in to any of the previous episodes, you'll know that this series is to help arts and cultural organisations, particularly the education and learning departments, with their digital development And in the last episode, last month, I spoke with colleagues from the Charter College of Teaching and also from Real Ideas Organisation about evaluation and impact of digital practice. So how do we know if our digital or blended approaches are working? What do we need to put in place? So if you're interested in impact and evaluation and you haven't listened, then do so. It's a very useful 35 minutes or so. So this week we're focusing on how to connect and communicate effectively with schools. Have things changed for arts and cultural organisations over the pandemic? Have they changed for schools? How does social media play into the mix? And how might new tools and practices and platforms combine with our tried and tested analogue methods? And I'm really pleased to be talking through this with some of my Festival Bridge colleagues today. So I'm delighted to welcome Isabel Morgan and Abby Marison from Festival Bridge. And we'll also hear from Zanny Fraser later on in the episode. So to start with, why don't you just tell us a little bit about what you do for Festival Bridge? And Abby, why don't you just tell us what Festival Bridge is first and then introduce yourself?
1: Sure. So the organisations you've just mentioned, Real Ideas Organisations, and the Royal Opera House bridge we are all part of 10 bridges that uh, work nationally on behalf of Arts Council England. Our aim at every bridge although we do it slightly differently is to improve access and opportunities for all children and young people to experience quality arts and culture and creativity and the way we do that is we work across both sectors so we work with the education sector and and also all the different ways that you can get access to children and young people. Uh, So uh, not just in education, but um, we also work with organisations
0: and freelancers and um, try and bring those two worlds together gosh, many audiences to communicate with there. And, and what's your role? What's your role, Abby? Uh,
1: I'm very privileged to be one of two education programme managers. So that really sit, puts me in the heart of communicating with um, what the education sector need, so that they can do this on top of all the busy things that they do, so, so that uh, we can just help them and, and really show them what's out there.
2: Um, I am the communications officer for Festival Bridge so my role is the kind of iconic kind of communication things which are websites, social media, designing posters, writing copy for emails, newsletters, all of that and I do that for Festival Bridge and I use my comms for both the arts and culture sector and the education sector so I kind of straddle both and work with Abby particularly on when we want to engage with schools and different kind of institutions.
0: So you mentioned an awful lot of sort of different uh, communities within both of those sectors. So do you want to tell us a little bit about the range of ways that you do communicate and are there different approaches for different audiences? I don't know who wants to kick off with that one. Um, I'm
2: happy to jump in with that one. So I think different types of communication, I usually break it down to kind of digital communication. So that would be social media accounts, um, kind of like newsletter mail outs and kind of website advertising and things like that. Um, and then there's also the kind of physical advertising that you can do. So that could be a posters or flies around town, or we could send physical letters or postcards to different kind of arts leads at different schools. And then I think the third one as well, um, I'd say in types of engagement would be kind of relationships so that would be word of mouth um, maybe speaking to people after a zoom meeting like oh you should go to this event or you know catching people um, at those kind of networking events I think especially that's where Abby and other members of the Prime Festival Bridge team are so crucial because it's their relationships that they kind of build which is so important um, where I kind of try and shout the message out and then they kind of and the ones that build that relationship and kind of continue that and have people kind of coming back. Um, and then in terms of different types of engagement with engaging different groups. So I think we have various different audiences in schools because even in a school, you'll have the really engaged, maybe art least teachers that are very active on social media and they're doing all really these different projects. You might also get other schools that maybe aren't as engaged and haven't like reached out for those kind of projects. So I think we kind of try and match our kind of methods of engaging to what the school would be. So if it was a general call-out for Mm. on-sale tickets for teachers for this production, then a workshop afterwards, probably just put that on social media or funnel it through our newsletters because it's quite mass appeal and it's a general call-out. Whereas if we wanted to work specifically with a group of teachers in a specific area or in a specific kind of um, institution, then that would probably be a more in-depth um method of approach that would probably be more to do with relationships and maybe physical letters as those people are not easy to reach on the kind of main digital platforms and as well that would be i would be kind of doing repeated kind of comms to that group because i think as well the kind of um the effort level it is for let's say the customer or you know the school to engage means the more comms if they're just sharing something or we tweeting it and they can just throw that in their newsletter or something, or blast it in an email to other teachers. But if it's a big project, you're going to have to really sell it, so you need to go quite a few times.
1: Izzy is so right. One one size does not fit all, which is why we we do so much in so many different ways. Because the part of uh, my role and, and Jen Jen Langescoff, who is the other education program manager, is is really learning about all the the different. Um, the small rurally isolated schools the the urban schools the the schools that sit within trusts so um and and getting the message out to the schools who don't know about us who can put them in into contact but one of the things that uh that Jen particularly has been working on is is building the arts broker teacher. Now that phrase itself might be familiar to uh, some of our listeners, it it may not be, but there's um, some brilliant research done by Pat Thompson on arts rich schools and if you if you had a look into and we can add the the link in the, the resources as well into what an arts rich school and an arts broker teacher looks like is we're trying to build those people within education settings themselves that know how to talk to the arts organisations, to the, the, the people who work outside of the education setting and and have that that rich link between the two. So uh, that that's just just one of the things that that we want to build we want we want to build that that strength that's within schools and and have them know where to go as well so
0: yeah quite a complex mix isn't it of of online real life real humans in the mix as well making those connections a quick question, and I know, Izzy, that you've only been at Festival Bridge six months, so it's a bit hard for you maybe to answer this, but do you think things have changed? Uh, you know, has the way that you've been connecting with schools changed? And you th- do you think that's for good, or was it just for COVID?
2: Um, I'd say I'm definitely seeing the kind of tail end of COVID. Like, COVID is still very rife mm-hmm. in the community, but in terms of getting back to people being in the office and people being in schools, we're back to more where we were before the pandemic um so i'd say that definitely everything had been going digital for a few years but i think some people were much further ahead than others so there was still a huge difference and i think something definitely me and abby have noticed is teachers flexibility has changed with digital because you know you can call them for 30 minutes on their lunch break over zoom as opposed to you going into the school and trying to get a visitor pass and it's a lot more easy to have that kind of contact and you do feel a bit closer. Now everything's digital. Um, however, one of, I think one of the things that has actually been a surprise that I've noticed recently in the last few months is the digital fatigue people are getting, which is that kind of everything was digital for so long. Now we can go back outside and everything's people are getting back to that. I think people are getting a lot of fatigue about kind of, you know, CPD online or, going to different workshops online so I think now the kind of challenge is how do I make this like more appealing how do I kind of push it further to make sure people come to this online event or maybe how could I do it as a hybrid event so it's still accessible especially when like Festival Bridge covers Norfolk, Suffolk, Cambridgeshire and Peterborough it's a very like they're very rural counties so people can't just come into Norwich to see it so you want to make it accessible by doing it as a hybrid event but doing it completely online can be, you know, quite a turn off for a lot of people. So I think you've got to start being kind of creative with how you're changing up your events now. And then also how you're a lot of the other one that I'd say is people have created so much content because everything's been online for so many months that we're now trying to see how we can repackage that content and how we can use it and how it can have a shelf life beyond the pandemic. And, you know, re putting it out there so people engage with it again. And that's a big part of comms of like trying to repackage it and get people to interact again.
1: And I think what it's reminded me of is that uh, just just like uh, young people, we've all got our own learning styles and communication styles. So where one teacher might feel really comfortable being on Twitter all the time and and, and up to date with what's on social media, another might be really hot on their emails. Not me at all, but some some of our, our uh, contacts out there. Um, might be really, really good at communicating that way, and some just want a phone call or a Zoom meeting and to talk to someone. So it just reminds me that you you really do have to have a, a wealth of ways of communicating because not not one way will suit the people you're trying to reach. So it's making sure that um, you you throw it all out there and see which one lands, which is the preferred method of communication for for that particular school you want to work with or in the area you're trying to work
0: yeah that's so true i um I do like digital, but I got very excited uh, at the weekend when I picked up a concert brochure and had a bit of print in my hand and thought, oh, this is thrilling. Yes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so uh, let's just move on to social media. You've touched on it a little bit, and I don't know if any of you listened to episode two of this series. And we talked to a really amazing uh, theatre company in Southend, I think, Um Uh, Enac Theatre Company, and they had done amazing things with Facebook groups, and they'd started off with a handful of teachers on a Facebook group and ended up with 2,000 teachers they were working with on Facebook groups. So I know that many organisations have had significant success using social media. How does Festival Bridge use it to connect with its many audiences? And how do you integrate that with other channels?
2: I think each social media channel kind of has its great purpose for each one. So I find the Festival Bridge, specifically the Twitter account, is really good for business to business, like engagement. So it might be that um, the puppet theatre's got something on and then we share it, we retweet it um or we're kind of advertising different opportunities so i think that one as well can be great for sharing other people i think it's almost like a notice board for festival bridge because we're you know a lot of the purpose of what we do is to try and get people involved in the arts and opportunities so we want to shout about what other people are doing as well um so i think that works especially across the um kind of cultural sector and then as well with the kind of education sector trying to share what the schools have been doing and their opportunities and sharing it because we're followed by both we can kind of share exciting opportunities for both whether that's CPD for teachers or like theatre shows we get to work with both and then I'd say Facebook is particularly good as well for kind of community groups and I'd say that that kind of group is a prime example of how useful Facebook can be for those specific like networks especially when people kind of have the network and the point is to have these discussions and sometimes there can be limitations on what you can advertise but it's more that space where teachers can connect with each other and kind of say what they're enjoying what they're not and it's great to kind of see that from an institution if you can and see kind of what they're crying out for what they don't need what they do need but as well it's getting into those groups and finding them because they're not as clearly advertise the way on like twitter you can see everything they're private groups so you need to almost know someone who knows someone and trying to connect with those people that can let you in they're much more like gate kept um and i'd say those are the main two we also have instagram which a few schools and particularly arts organizations have especially kind of more visual arts and performing arts and we use that a bit but i think the main kind of one i'd say that we use is twitter because mm-hmm. we can reach both sectors and we can have a lot of engagement um, with both of them on
0: that. So thanks, Izzy. Well, it's very handy that you've ended on Twitter because I, I just want to put a little pause in here as I've got a short recording from Norwich Puppet Theatre. So they've just started using Twitter to engage with their school's audience and to try and broaden their school's audience. So they are sharing some of the learning so far. So we'll just take a listen to this short interlude.
3: Hi, I'm Zanny from Norwich Puppet Theatre. Norwich Puppet Theatre is quite special because there are only, in fact, about three puppet theatres in the whole of the UK. I've been involved in the puppet theatre for a long time as a puppeteer, but more recently I booked the touring shows which go out to theatres, but also in a large part to schools, and also for a while, sort of during through and towards the end of lockdown I did a job share with the creative learning team where we were kind of planning workshops and contacting schools that way. So I've had various roles within the organisation and it's a small organisation so we all help each other out at various times.
0: So I then went on to ask Sunny how the Puppet Theatre had communicated with schools pre-pandemic and how things had changed for them over the last couple of years.
3: In the past um The Puppet Theatre used to have a big long mailing list and we just mail out schools and schools would get in touch. And in fact, we the Puppet Theatre has a lot of loyal, local, i.e. regional to East Anglia, schools who would just regularly get in touch, look for workshops, um, book shows, year on year. And there was kind of a loyal following. So in a way, the Puppet Theatre didn't need to kind of go out and find schools. Schools found the Puppet Theatre because the schools that... That um, work with public theatre realise the value. It's so broad for schools in that they can, you know, they, they get the benefit of a performance. There's all sorts of language and literacy elements, but there's also the creative, and the making and the craft um, and the, the DT that comes along with it. So suddenly in lockdown, um, we weren't doing mail outs, we weren't doing, um, we didn't have much content, but we did start producing online content, online workshops and online shows. And so the way to contact schools became different. We worked with a local school who were fantastic. And we were able to do Zoom meetings, which we would never have had that level of detail and planning with a teacher um, even before um, lockdown. And I think those Zoom meetings with teachers is something that will definitely continue because teachers can do it. They can pop in for half an hour and we can all have a meeting, and it's just brilliant use of time. But it was them that said, well, uh, uh, when, we've, when we've done work, well, we'll just pop them on Twitter. So we were introduced to the idea that schools use Twitter a lot. And um, I think uh, I'd been a bit nervous of Twitter because you do hear... Um, rather unpleasant stories about Twitter. But in fact, for schools, it's this very safe space that that schools share their work, share um, what the pupils are doing and communicate with each other brilliantly. So we put stuff out to this school because it was a trial and then the school would just pop images and comments onto social media and then um, we could like them, but we'd also share them and it meant that other schools, other arts organisations could see what we were doing so it was a really quick way of rather than us having to tell everybody individually it's a wonderful it's just like opening the windows and going look what we're doing and and it was quite joyous that that they would just go oh we've had a great afternoon making puppets but it also meant that kids who were at home sent in little videos or photographs so it brought in the kids who when the kids were at home we brought us all together in in one place so um, it was rather wonderful so from this successful pilot,
0: Sunny then went on to tell us how they grew their Twitter presence and engaged with other
3: schools in and beyond the region. From this one school, we looked at who they were following, who followed them. And if the schools were in the, in the area, we just followed them, just built a, a group of schools and also individual teachers. And, um, and so we've continued to do that and continue to grow the schools that we, we like and follow and hopefully follow us back. And although schools are now getting in touch directly, i.e. just emailing us in the way they have before, we are still using Twitter to contact schools because mailing schools is difficult. You know, schools don't like bulk emails and all the emails bounce back. So... Uh, we just do a series of tweets if we've got an event coming up that we think schools will be interested in. And also we've learned that there are particular like Monday evening, there's SLT chat, and then I often do like a Sunday evening, or I try and target uh, lunch times when teachers might be sitting down for half an hour and you never know. And the very first time I did it, I got an email back within half an hour. It was so gratifying. I thought somebody's reading these tweets contacting schools is always tricky there's lots of different ways but it is another way and the fact that this school responded I thought well that means that teachers do they do look and it's an easy thing they can glance at while they're having their lunch or you know and hopefully share with each other so we're going to definitely keep going with that and I think it is a sort of thing you have to keep going and you can't sort of stop and start because uh, you get lost lost in the mix. I mean, I suppose the other thing that's tricky for us is that with schools work, we tend to work within our region, which is Norfolk and Suffolk, but um, Twitter, obviously, which is the whole world. So it's finding ways of just narrowing the focus and just calling out to uh, schools in our region, something that we're still working on. I suppose it all depends on on who you follow. There's no point us following schools in Scotland because we're never going to get there, partly because of costs. We can't. It doesn't. Work. So um, those are things that um, we're still working on. And finally,
0: I asked about future plans for the learning team in terms of both digital and blended work.
3: We are going uh, hopefully in the autumn out to libraries in the Cambridgeshire region because we've pitched them a blended learning offer, which was a kind of a new thing that we've planned in lockdown, uh, whereby um, we can send out a film of a theatre show. Uh, with maybe a live workshop so that'll be really interesting but they picked up on that so that's something, something that's interesting and something that people are still people are still interested um, in the mix in the mixture of um, online because things are still so uncertain and I think it's all a positive thing that you know it's just added added extra so I don't think that'll go away I think every live show will have a recorded element to it and um, and obviously the online channels of communication are really valuable
0: so there was lots covered you know everything from sort of how to grow your twitter account to using the hashtag chats etc was there anything in particular that struck you abby do you want to kick off
1: I, th- I found it really interesting listening to Zanny because um, some of her reflections resonate with me, with the, the way that I've communicated with schools. Um, be- I've been with Bridge for five years, so uh, how I've communicated with schools prior to the pandemic, during and, and now in this phase that we're in currently. And as as I said before, the, the different ways that we connect um, really vary but what I picked up from what Zanny said is the, is the importance of relationships and that really sits well within your local offer so whilst you can use Twitter and, and the, hash, the edu, uh, hashtag that, that Zanny was talking about to, to put something out broader and wider it's really good to start connecting and developing those relationships with the school around the corner with the the youth group that is on your doorstep and, and just building a profile really where you are and and making sure that it, it's affecting the community and it's it's got that deeper purpose. So I, I, I really picked that up from from what Zanny was saying.
2: Yeah, I thought it was really interesting to get all of her kind of insights. And I think it's really useful as well for someone who's starting out to grow, kind of take those steps on to kind of getting onto those kind of social media and trying to build that community. And I think her advice about finding kind of like-minded accounts and seeing who they follow was a really useful tip to kind of start building that community. And I'd say as well that um, a really good piece of advice would be to interact as well with those groups, to like what they like, share what they're doing, and to kind of build that community online because then they're more likely to share what you're doing. And I think as well when you're doing it on a local scale like that, it's really useful because you build strong connections with people nearby you um which is really useful for when you actually want you know people to get involved with the productions or you want people to come in and get tickets then just trying to build it across the whole of the country where it might not result in kind of more projects it might be good engagement for your kind of following numbers but it might not result to you know people attending workshops people attending productions
0: thank you for that lots struck me from what you said Abby about sort of starting with your local school that's exactly what they did you know they just worked with one school to build up their twitter account and poked around in their twitter account to see who they were following the thing about hashtag chats I'll put some more information into the show notes but educators who use twitter are pretty active on the hashtag edu chat so the big ones uh, that that's mentioned is um SLT chat on a Monday at eight o'clock there's UK ed chat on a Thursday at eight o'clock Primary Rocks, I think, is a Monday at seven. So they, they're all themed, um, mostly chosen by the Twitter community. But I think the good thing is, you know, you don't have to be active in the chat, but just listening in to see what teachers are talking about or head teachers are talking about, because you can frame your programme in that context. Um, and uh, it's probably not good etiquette to chuck in a tweet during the chat, but you can use the hashtag at any time except those chat times and you can sort of open up your your um, your Twitter account to many more educators. So it's a good tip for Insani. So just moving on. Uh, Izzy, I think onto how you're measuring the success of your approaches, analog or digital approaches. So how do you know if it's working other than sort of selling tickets and bottoms on seats, etc? Um,
2: so I'd say I kind of break down um, our different kind of approaches or campaigns into kind of the ad hoc stuff that we do, you know, a couple of sessions that we retreat and things like that, and our kind of bread and butter. So that would be looking at things like is the social media following going up, are we getting strong engagement with um, a few of the different posts, like lots of retweets on them in the last week, um, are we getting kind of more people signing up for our monthly newsletters, are we getting website visits, so are people watching the videos on the website, so I'd say all of that is that kind of general analytics that kind of goes on continually, and you can kind of observe that by you know checking numbers, making sure everything's going up, and that's quite a like comms team thing to do. But then I think for anything outside of that, I'd see it more as a campaign. So then I'd measure that by the aims of the campaign and then build the kind of comms around that. So it might be, as you say, I want to sell 100 tickets for one of our Native Creatives, um, like CPD workshop sessions. So the approach would be, it's kind of open to a lot of teachers, so yes, we can put it on social media but we can also kind of start putting it in newsletters and putting a request on that. People that we know that particularly benefit from it, we can kind of email them and see if they would be interested in it. So that would be lots of different avenues. Whereas if the purpose of a campaign or the purpose of something was to get five teachers to sign up for um, our CAUSA, kind of um, developing teachers as kind of leaders, then that would be a much more kind of, focus project where we would look at the different relationships we already have and probably more go through abby about connecting with that person speaking to them multiple times having a meeting discussing what it is how it benefit them and trying to get them to come on board so i think depending on the audience you want and the purpose you need to build your campaign around that and it's that classic not every like every campaign will be slightly different but depending on numbers and the types of people you want to reach you can kind of start to filter that and also you'll try things on some campaigns and you'll be like oh well that didn't work at all you might ask people you know how did you find it and when we do a survey we might say how did you find out about this and if no one found out about it through the newsletter i'll be like oh well that was some pointless advertising, so I won't well, put it in the newsletter next time. I'll put it more on um, direct emails because that's where we got more people. Um, so I think you'll always experiment when it comes to the cons and people change. And as we see, the times change. So you're always adapting it, but like you can always kind of try and look at the end in that evaluation. And I think Bridge particularly, um, the different kind of program managers do evaluation at the end of each project and kind of look into the comm side of it as well.
0: Yeah, good advice. And always learning from mistakes is really useful. Abby, I've got a question for you. So you've talked quite a lot about the importance of connection and and partnership, particularly, you know, with teachers. So how how do you do that? How do you foster that? And how does digital, how could digital help in the mix with that?
1: Okay, that's a really great question. Um, So the way I do that or the way I have done that um is by building different networks so uh it might be that I have worked with a trust and uh sometimes you, you your initial communication is going in completely cold so that that's the hardest thing so sometimes it's it's better to uh have a connection with one school and they introduce you to another school and then you have a ripple effect. So so once you've made a communication or you've worked with one particular setting, it can then open doors to others. Um, I was thinking about something that, that Izzy said earlier about Twitter being business to business and um, speaking for myself and, and knowing the teachers that I work with, everyone's time poor. So I know that once I've established connections with, with schools that if I hear about a really great offer from an organisation, it can go in the newsletter that Izzy does, it can go on Twitter, so it can it can just go out there. But also, um, I tend to filter it through a little bit and think, well, which school do I know is going to be interested in this specific thing? And I'll send out about five emails just to those schools thinking, I know that you're working on this particular art form, or I know that you've got an interest in this, um, and, and I'm really privileged. I, I work on the Arts Council's Arts Mark Award. So I know um, the kind of things that schools are hoping to develop and the, the needs they've got, the, the catchment that they serve. So it does give me that little bit more intel on they're going to be looking for these kind of offers. So uh, that, that's something that not everyone's privileged enough to have, but it does help me in trying to connect schools to, to things that I know are really good quality
0: and a really good offer. So my final question, and quite quickly, it would be useful if you could just give us your top tip. So if you're wanting to reach a school's audience, what are your practical tips to get going? Izzy?
2: I think my advice would be if you're initially kind of starting out reaching out to schools, I would try and find that kind of Twitter community um, that Zanny was explaining you know looking who's following look at the groups look at who's kind of interacting and things like that and then I guess my second piece of advice would be to after that build those relationships once you've got that personal relationship as maybe the creative learning um, head um, a theatre or something like that once you've built that school and you've kind of spoken to them I'd keep hold of that and think about as Abby says what other offers you might send to them what kind of Is tailored to them so I think it's that initial reach out through kind of digital platforms but then it still comes back to that personal relationship afterwards that keeps them as a contact and like retains um, the kind of support that you both can give each other
1: my top tip is you can't be everything to everyone so be really concise about what your unique offer is so what's your selling point? What is it that you bring? Um, and that is your art form. And that is the age that you work with. What, what do you really know about the primary phase or the early years phase, or um, you know, working with secondary and thinking about careers? What is it that is unique to what you are offering? And once you've got that and it's concrete, then approach the education settings with that really clear messaging.
0: Perfect. Thank you very much, both of you. I thought it would be useful to get in the voice of the school in the last 30 seconds. So I did a quick call out uh, about Twitter, actually, and I asked colleagues, uh, some of my teacher and her teacher friends and colleagues, why they use uh, Twitter um, what the benefits were and we got a lot of responses back around sort of the speed and you know ease of use and quite a lot around sort of feeling connected to a community a community of practice you know beyond their own setting and beyond their own mat etc but here's one that really struck me and it's from Jane Ryder I'm sure she's well known to many she is a calcer and director of arts and culture for the Active Learning Trust and I know that the, the Active Learning Trust had its own Twitter account, all the schools in the trust have a Twitter account, the CEO of the trust has a Twitter account, and many of the teachers do, so there are many audiences there to reach on Twitter. But she wrote to me and said, as an arts lead, I find Twitter helps me to keep my finger on the pulse of what's happening, not only in the education sector, but also with practising artists and cultural organisations my work as a leader means I can give instant feedback through Twitter, I can affirm, I can encourage others, as well as make connections and build a strong network. So I think that's quite an endorsement for Twitter. And I know she's very active on that. She
1: posts some lovely things about the children's work. And uh, yet, yeah, uh, Sidegate Primary, where, where she, she teaches is an Artsmark Platinum setting. So if you do find her on Twitter, you can see what, what that looks like too.
0: I'll tell you what, I'll post some of the links into the show notes, along with all the other things that we've mentioned today. Uh, I'll include some stuff around the hashtag chats as well. Big thanks to students from Noise Solution for providing the intros and outros for various bits of this podcast big thanks to Abby and Isabel and also to Zanny from uh, the Puppet Theatre. In the next episode, we'll be talking about the future of blended learning, which we've touched upon a little bit today. So blended learning within cultural education. So do join us for that. Uh, that's it for today. Thank you and goodbye.